Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I do have the great pleasure of uh, Kenneth uh, Bombase. Uh, welcome, Kenneth. Uh, thank you for having me on, Julian. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to the show. No, it's been brilliant, and it's great to actually uh, catch up with you uh, finally, so that's really good. Uh, I know you're a busy man, uh, and certainly the last few months you've been really busy, and we'll get into understand a bit more about you. I'm going to tell the audience a little bit about you, and I'm sure this will unfold as we talk. Uh, so you're the, currently the Chief Executive Officer of Global Threat Solutions. Um, you've um, led uh, protection operations for one of the largest police departments in the United States and work closely with uh, United States Secret Service, US uh, Capitol Police and Foreign Security Services to protect government officials, including US presidents and foreign heads of states. Um, in the private sector, uh, you obviously work with large, many high-profile companies, but also uh, celebrity sort of uh, uh, sort of clients as well, uh, and sort of A-list celebrities, uh, where you provide executive protection and residential security. Uh, you were an army, you were an army intelligence officer, and led policing and counterinsurgents operations in Iraq. So we're going to have a, a fascinating conversation and uh, a really quite an interest from me. Uh, not that I'm, I've got an army background, but I, I quite find it interesting what you're, you've already achieved and what you're doing. And we've talked a bit about leadership. But before we get into that, I just want to ask, uh, what do you love about what you do, Kenneth? So I'd have to say, and I could say this really about my careers in the military and law enforcement as well as the private sector. I like the, the challenge. Um, and be, having to react to constant changes. There's never a day that's the same as the day before. It's common for me to have to react to challenges on a daily basis and my team, of course. And that's what I really enjoy about it. When um, there's a lot of, in what we do, and we'll talk, I'm sure, a little bit more about it. But when we're providing executive protection services, for instance, there is a lot of detail and planning and being able to scrap that plan in a moment's notice, react and make it seem seamless. And I find and and being able to multitask uh, constantly. And I think uh, I've kind of learned myself that I'm uh, my skill set lends itself to that, and that's kind of why I've done what I've done in my career paths. And as much as it could be stressful at times, I think that's what I enjoy, or I wouldn't be doing it. Absolutely. And I guess you're just explaining some real characteristics of leadership there in terms of how you are handling things. And I just want to, before we get into that, understand what got you into the army and you almost stayed in a similar sort of, well, protections, not army, but security and, and that sort of sense of enforcement. How, why, why have you stayed in that? What, what, what got you? What, what is the passion about it? So, so, you know, I can tell you, I think I'm very fortunate to be one of those people who knew what he wanted to do when he was five years old. I've never had that dilemma when I got old and, and decided, what do I want to go to school for? What do I want to do? I wanted to be a soldier and I wanted to go into law enforcement as long as I could remember life. And uh, how I, I that came about, I'm not entirely sure. I think, you know, 
learning from my parents. My father served in the military. My my mom was a big part of my life. She's very patriotic. And uh, I learned a lot and read a lot, even as, as a young boy, about these things. And as long as I can remember, I've wanted to do both. And it was the day after high school, I flew to Fort Benning to join the uh, the infantry. So it was something I waited for uh, my whole uh, childhood and into my adult life. And it's I have no regrets. Fantastic. And um, I've just been reading your 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 slogan behind you, peace of mind in uncertain times. And um, you've probably been said to this many times in the last 12 months. We are in uncertain times and continue to be un- in uncertain times. Um, how have you found that? And, and how have you have you adapted your leadership or, or have you just to wrap that up it'd be interesting to understand because obviously you're from an army background where crisis to you was almost probably a daily thing or, or certainly uncertain situations and you were, you're trained that way just interesting in the context of covid but also in the context of outside the military how you may handle that yeah so you know one thing i'll say about our our uh, motto for the company you know when we first created this company that motto was really geared towards more of the post 9-11 life, you know, and that's why it was uncertain times and and terrorism and other security risks. And but now in the post or or soon to be hopefully post COVID environment, it's more relevant than ever. And I think it just goes to show you that, you know, it's going to be it's a it's a constantly ongoing challenges Mm -hmm. that we'll face and in the world, you know, whether it be a pandemic or terrorism or or even increased crime rates, which we've seen quite a bit in America and beyond. So, uh, you know, I think that serves us well, that that motto. And it's really how we, um, it really is how we guide this business, you know, protect, providing services to people to give them peace of mind. You know, if you were to look at it, executive protection and how many times it is that you see someone um, attacked or, or an assassination attempt of something of that nature, very extremely rare. But it's the peace of mind we give people um, mm. who are high profile and, and who do have legitimate threats against them. It's the peace of mind. That's what what they pay us for so that they can live their lives not worrying about that. And that's kind of how we uh, have modeled this business and what we strive to produce every day for people. And, and how do you find that peace of mind in your own leadership, in your own business? Right. So I'll tell you, we've had some challenges, right? I mean, we... We grew rapidly from 2015 until right before um, uh, COVID hit. And like many other companies, um, our company was specifically hit very hard because our primary clientele is executives, people of high net worth, celebrities. And, you know, businesses, uh, especially uh, executives, C-suite executives, many of them uh, hunkered down in off-site locations from their corporate centers, you know, second homes and their travel, which is a big part of what we do, the logistics of travel and providing them security, not only in America, but around the world. Mm-hmm. That pretty much came to a standstill. There was very little travel going on during COVID, and especially in the early stages. So had a tremendous impact on our business. So as a leader, I th- I've learned a lot you know, I feel we're stronger. That's what I'd say. With all the challenges we've faced, I've learned a lot. And one of the things is that perseverance, you know, and mm-hmm. you have to forget about profit margins, I feel, 
during something so um, such a something that had such a tremendous impact uh, on the world and worry about sustainability. That's what you should be focusing on. Mm -hmm. When I say sustainability, not just your company um, and not just infrastructure, but probably most importantly, your people. Mm. So you, you want to maintain that that talent, those people who are loyal to your mission and have served you well. You have to forget about, um, uh, prop, like I said, profit margins and worry about maintaining um, sustainability, business continuity until things can lift. Mm. And one thing I, I noticed about, I would say about our company and probably so many other business leaders is that we're stronger for it now. Think about this. And not after 9-11, I mean, it was a little bit more localized. 9-11 was a, a horrific incident. But a lot of the real business impact, I mean, you look at some businesses that were in lower Manhattan financial district, they were destroyed because they mm -hmm. were not prepared to operate if something like this happened. And, and they physically lost their infrastructure and had to shut doors, right? Um, but you could say in the post 9-11 world, business continuity became much more prevalent and businesses are in a much better position now. That won't happen again to them, right? They're set up where, if, God forbid, there is another incident similar to that or something else. They have a whole plan in, it, in, in effect where they can operate remotely and, and business will go on. Well, now this the COVID in so many ways had a greater impact because it impacted the entire world and it didn't mm -hmm. shut down some of the businesses that were directly affected by an incident like the attacks on 9-11. Now we had every restaurant, every small retail shop, every corporate center shut down. Mm -hmm. and they had to overnight try and come up with plans and it was sloppy and it was messy. But now when you think about, it, I know what my company in 24 hours, we could return everything to the way to a, a to the height of COVID, and we could operate. Uh, we have it in place. We have plans in place where we could do that immediately. And now we've done it. We know how to do it, and we're stronger for it. So, as as horrible as it is, you know, I think a lot of businesses will who survived will come mm. out stronger on the other side. Ours definitely, and I, I learned a lot as a leader. Um, and and like you mentioned. Some of the leadership traits I gained from the Army specifically really were valuable, I see, in this. You know, in the Army, your people always come first, always. As an officer, there's a, one of the, 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 un, the famous rules as being an officer is you never eat until every one of your people has already had something to eat. They already had their meal. You really? Never that, that's, that's incredibly people-focused, isn't it? Because it, it is. my, 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 my perception, and this is a wrong perception probably from films I've watched, is the army officer it's all about shouting at people and <laughs> and i'm sure there's a lot of shouting goes on and and but it doesn't feel very um not a word empathetic leadership it doesn't feel like people leadership but you just saying there about you know the wait until everybody's eating right. before you eat first as an officer sounds very people centered to me oh and it's so relevant to the business world so i was i had the um the experience of being an enlisted soldier initially, and then I transitioned to being a commissioned officer. I had the same image as an enlisted soldier when I went in. You know, you assume, you make this assumption, you this image of officers of being a life of privilege, and like you said, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, yelling at everybody to get things done. You learn very quickly as an officer that it's a it's a position of sacrifice. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was the last one to go to sleep at night and the first one up in the morning because I had tremendous responsibility. I was in a war zone in Samora, Iraq, 
we would be mortared on a daily basis. I had to be constantly alert. We had a lot of reporting that had to be done. Uh, you have a lot on your mind. Sleep is difficult to come by. Um, and you realize that being an army officer, like I said, it's not a, a life of privilege. I mean, it's a great privilege to lead soldiers for sure, mm -hmm. but it's really a, a life of sacrifice where, um, you know, everyone, every one of your soldiers and their well-being has to come before you. Wow, that's amazing. That, that's incredible. It really is incredible. And it's good to hear, actually. Um, when you were being mortared in Iraq, how do you keep morale going? How do you keep people's motivation, particularly perhaps people who have just joined the army and are there and posted? It must be quite frightening to be in that situation. And I guess, and how does that, I guess, correlate to COVID is very different, but in terms of being in a sense of a frightened situation of what might not happen, I guess. Right. So, you know, it is it's morale is difficult. People are afraid of things that they uh, well, I mean, in combat, it's the fear is is obvious. But even in COVID, the unknown can be scary. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about their lives. They're worried about their their health and their family's mm -hmm. health. So that's what I would say that my army experience uh, was incredibly valuable to keep the team motivated all the time. We transitioned very quickly. And even for personnel that were doing protection operations and didn't had no role uh, after COVID hit because that position was no longer um, uh, viable because our clients weren't requiring us. I would transition them to other roles like, all right, well, I'm going to put you in marketing and you're going to help us. We're going to we're going to be working now. We're going to instantly transition from protection operations for certain personnel to building our future once COVID lifts. We're going to work mm. on marketing now. So when the COVID lifts, we're going to be ready and we're going to be stronger than ever. You have to keep people positive and have a plan. One thing I learned in the military is as long as the people underneath you who are, who are um, you're leading know that you have a plan, there is a plan in place. No matter how bad things are, it, it gives them a feeling of uh, security and confidence more, more than anything else, confidence in you and the organization. And that's something like you mentioned in uh, in Samara. Great challenges, not just the mortars. That was just one part of our day. Going out on patrols, small arms fire uh, attacks, um, VBIDs, which is a, a vehicle-borne improvised explosive device, our car bomb. Mm -hmm. We were targeted by numerous. Those things. And then you have to remember, these are soldiers who have been gone for a year, year and a half, some of them. And they're, they're, they have so many worries about home. You know, they, you know, your life at home doesn't stop. It keeps going. And, and they have they worry about their children and problems there, too. So uh, that's an important part of leadership that people forget about in, mm -hmm. in wartime. No, and no, I can see that. And just going back to your earlier points on on your focus uh, when COVID happened, where you shifted away, being bothered by, by profits and start to think a bit more about sustainability, which is an interesting switch, actually. And. I think uh, an honourable one, really, because I think it's 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 more means you're going to come out of this stronger, and obviously you've, you've felt you've come out stronger. How did that sustainability piece play out within your business and within with your people? So uh, you know, it was a it was a um, a learning process for sure when it first happened, as far as our uh, sustainability during this. You know, even as a leader, you have concerns. Are we going to make it through this? Right. You don't tell your people that ever. But of course, I had concerns. How is this going to work for us? Mm. But I knew from day one that if I was not so much very easily, I could have said, um, 
all right, we're going to lay everybody off and then we'll get started again when things lift because I want to cut costs. That would have been an easy way to do it. But um, from day one, my concern was the people that had been loyal to us and the people that are also so vital mm-hmm. uh, that I rely on every single day to keep this organization successful. I needed to take care of them and make sure that, that we were going to all come out on the other side uh, stronger than we were before. So, so what we did is immediately, um, myself and, and my partner, who is uh, uh, my vice president, we immediately put a plan into uh, effect saying, here's what we're doing. And this was, this was, I mean, the week that businesses had shut down because it mm-hmm. happened very quickly. Um, here's what we're going to do. If we cannot have... Um, if, if business is going to be slow and we've lost accounts right now and, and people are waiting for things to open up, mm-hmm. we're going to give them something to do in the meantime. And I want it, I don't want it to be busy work. I want it to be something that'll make us stronger in the long term. So we came up with a continuity plan, how we were going to sustain our key people, how we were going to uh, uh, try and build a business, even though things were shut down. You know, we wanted to come out. I've done one, one of the things I did is what we're doing right now. You know, I took a, a lot of um, opportunities. People wanted to interview me about the uh, business and, and what we were doing. And that was one thing that I thought was valuable because I, I, we hope it pays off. People get to learn our story and it'll pay off in the, on the other end, you know, when we come out. And right now, I can tell you in the last two months now, we've seen a, a big increase in business. People are starting mm-hmm. to travel and restrictions have been lifted. Brilliant. And it, it's interesting uh, that you you didn't lay anybody off. You you, you created a plan, which I'm, I'm sure quite quickly. Um, sound, I'm sure you gathered around and worked that through. But also with this mindset of sustainability, uh, a lot of companies who um, in 2007 and eight, you know, in the sort of financial crisis we had, companies who lay people off took longer to get back because they just basically got rid of all their good talents. And by holding on to people or depressing salaries or, or trying to manage through, which is obviously what you did, it means soon as soon as things start getting better, you bounce back far quicker and far better and far stronger, which is a great strategy to have. Um, as you look back in the last sort of 12 months or so, is there anything you think you could have done differently and perhaps could have thought, actually, I could have done this as, as a learning in terms of how you led things, how you communicated things? Sure. You know, uh, everything was a learning curve. So even our communications and how we would do our daily meetings and and also schedules. You know, I'm a big I learned this in the army. People love to have meetings for the sake of having meetings. And that's something I I oppose (laughs) even as a leader. Now, I want to make sure there's a purpose for it, because I know it's a morale killer. Right. Having Mm -hmm. meetings for no purpose. You would literally have meetings about having meetings. And I've seen this in so many organizations. So I wanted to have purpose. And uh, okay, here's we're having a meeting today to make sure everyone's on the same page and what are, I want everyone to know what our objectives are. I also want to have real tangible um, things that you need to produce that we'll discuss in the next meeting. It's not we're not going to talk about a bunch of things and then it's going to be like Groundhog's Day where we talk about them again in the next one. So we we learned quickly um, what worked and what didn't. As far as remote, we have a strong team. Uh, I, I would say as a business leader, I know there's a big controversy about getting back to the office now. Uh, I would say this. Some people are are better cut out to work remotely than others. Um, it's a challenge having people work remotely. Um, some people 
I don't care whether they could be on Mars and they get the job done. I never worry. Morning, day, night, doesn't matter where I reach out to them. The mission is done. And then there, they, we, you know, you have some other people where you worry about, hey, we just finished a meeting. Are they going back to bed for an hour? <laughs> you know, or <laughs> throughout the day. And I think every business leader thinks of that. But I, I think the bigger thing is the interaction, human interaction. Yeah. People who really they love their jobs. That's part of what they loved. And I yeah. think getting back, I, I like a hybrid. That's what I would tell you. I think there's so is a that, real is that the model you, you're going to work with a hybrid going forward. Is that how you're going to sort of navigate through? That's exactly right. You know, I am um, uh, uh, not to throw out a pitch, but when I first retired, I, uh, I worked for a little while for JP Morgan. They recruited me for a program, military veterans. And I uh, was doing any money laundry, by the way, a great organization, obviously a tremendous company. Um, and some uh, J- uh, Jamie Dimon, someone very fond of the leader. And we actually were able to meet him in this program when they hired me. Uh, so one thing I learned with them is they would allow us, even then, way pre-COVID, um, yes, of course, we were working in the office. I was working in the, in the headquarters on Park Ave for a while. Um, but even then, they would allow you, depending on your position, to do one or two days remotely uh, per no week. Way. And this is this is long before COVID ever came around. And uh, I can tell you that it was so that was such a morale builder for mm. people even back then. Myself, you know, in the New York metropolitan area, like so many other areas that I do business in, San Francisco, Los Angeles, even overseas, uh, Mumbai, we have an office. The traffic people, some people are commuting two hours a day to get mm-hmm. to work. And uh, it's so they're so appreciative if you were to allow them even one or two days not to have to do that as long as they are productive from home and getting that done. And and J.P. Morgan, for one, and it's it's some of the ideas I modeled after the things I'm going to put into place. Mm-hmm. They allowed because we do sensitive work, too. Um, they, they set up a system where people could log in very securely. Uh, remotely, and uh, they were able to do their work from from home as the same way they would in, in the office. With that being said, they also realized there's value in getting in and working with people physically uh, on a regular basis, meeting with your supervisors, leaders, and, and associates, right? So yes, to answer your question, a hybrid is the way I want to go forward. Um, I, I do not I'm not someone who says I want people in the office just for the sake of being in the office because they're being paid. That doesn't make sense. No. Uh, sometimes that's valuable and other times uh, it makes complete sense. What I've done is I, I've set my people up so they can work from anywhere. And as a business owner, that's kind of what I do. When I travel for business, I could work on a hotel in Los Angeles or my office in Los Angeles. I could work in San Francisco, Mumbai, Africa. You know, all I need is a Wi-Fi connection and I can run this company. And that's part that's part of the beauty of the modern world. But I also really value personal human interaction with mm. not only my people, but with potential clients and uh, and partners in the business, you know? No, no and it, it's difficult. I mean, I, I've worked my my whole career predominantly hybrid anyway. So I, I was in sales and marketing, did lots of traveling, and I was always in different offices. So I actually moved around. And so it can be done. Uh, and I agree with you in terms of people's mental well-being. Being with people is really positive. Creativity helps when you're with people. Uh, and I think the new world of work is is a hybrid of some form, depending on the organization. Um, and I think it also shows that you're responding and adapting to the context. And what I'm hoping there'll be a bit of a reset in the last 12 months of how people can work and how people can sort of develop things 
And it's not all about commuting and being in the office. And there's been a lot of companies who have been a bit more, dare I say, a little bit more military in terms of their approach, <laughs> as in you're all coming in the office or you're all sacked type of mindset. And um, and it's slightly archaic. And I'm not saying that's military, but it, it, it's that sense of just ordering people, which doesn't really inspire people, create engagement at all. Um, so just thinking about your business going forward, um, obviously you built this now more sustainable approach and things are starting to get better. How do you see the next 12, 18 months sort of pan out in terms of with clients and also uh, with your, your team? Right. So, so I'll touch on a few points. Um, we already see a, a big increase in business. We've been very busy for the last two months and as a, a, an entrepreneur, I love it. And we're, we're excited about the opportunities that are ahead and I can see my team is motivated too. So that's, that's one thing we see coming. Um, I would say there's challenges and not all of them uh, are the decisions of business leaders. Right now, I'm sure you've heard, and it's, it's not just in the United States, but we've we've been impacted directly by the, uh, I think that we have employees that have been receiving benefits for so long now. Us in our industry, just like you've heard, I'm sure in the restaurant industry, it's a challenge finding people. And yeah. I think that you know, I'm not going to, this is not about politics, but I think that when you have a point where there's pe- companies struggling to hire people, pay more wages to bring them on to do work and they can't find them, I think that's a clear sign. You don't need to be an economist to understand that mm. we need to just cut back on those subsidies and let people get back to work. Yeah. it's The two are very related and it's human nature uh, where people are being paid and if they're making money and they're still home with their families, they still are in this mode during that we all got into during COVID. I think that needs to be cut back, you know, in a, in a smart way. And we need to get people back to work. We have businesses struggling. Mm-hmm. It's happening to us now. We have accounts and we're struggling to hire. We have people asking us, can you pay us cash? Because they know they're getting government benefits and they don't want to show that they're, they have a job. And obviously we don't do that. We're not, yeah. we don't cash. But the point is, I think that, like I said, you don't need to be an economist to realize some changes no. need to be made. I, I feel like the economy is where we're restraining it. It's ready to explode. Mm. We just have to let it. Yeah. So, so, that, so people is your big, biggest challenge, recruiting people, I guess, going forward as you start to expand and grow. That's right. Right now, I'd say that's a big challenge for many industries. Um, definitely one for us. And uh, also, you know, just keeping up with the pace. We have a lot of requests for services right now. I, I'm hoping within the next month or so that, that government at every level is going to realize this and, and start to cut back on the subsidies mm-hmm. and transition. It doesn't have to be <laughs> over one day, but but transition people back into the workforce. Mm-hmm. I can see if there was just no jobs out there. Of course, that makes sense. And during COVID, that happened. But right now, we have people... Um, you know, struggling. You see every place you go, um, hiring signs for people to get back to work. And I think there's a sense of pride, too, that everybody, you know, that I think the, the country as a whole, everyone's going to be in a better place once we get back to a natural economy and not one that's subsidized by the government. Mm. I'm a capitalist. No. no, no, totally. And are you also impacted by, because there's a thing that happened last year where people start to sort of discover themselves in this time of being furloughed and everything else. And therefore, instead of going back to their job, 
set up their own company or, or did something completely different. Has that impacted you as well you know, on, on staff that you've had? Perhaps they've rediscovered themselves and they're going to do their own thing. Yeah, so in some ways, so in our industry, we have our permanent employees, which is primarily my leadership team and some key personnel. And we're a big sort of per diem uh, industry. So like when you get a contract, you we have a strong network. I can provide services pretty much anywhere in the world. We bring on people for the term of a contract. But when the contracts were slow, some people did what you're saying, you know, they started businesses on their own, or maybe they took on a full-time job in another field or something. And, you know, we encourage that. I would never hold someone back mm. from, uh, especially from starting their own business. You know, that's something obviously I believe strongly in. Um, so we, we saw a little bit of that. We did. And, and by the way, as far as the subsidies go, um, listen, there is, it was smart move in so many ways. It helped us. Mm. We, we, applied for here in the United States, the Paycheck Protection Program twice. We're on our second round. We're just finishing up. I mean, I, out of all the programs I've I seen as a business owner, that was a, a one that really made a lot of sense to me because I don't know why it wasn't focused around just throwing money at businesses. It was specifically dedicated to keeping your employees mm. employed and allowing us to keep more people working during COVID. That, I think, was the most successful program that I saw as a business owner. And so I'm not against these. I just think it's time we need to get back to work. And and this, uh, uh, the world is ready to do that. No, I agree with you. We, we had furlough payments as well. We had very similar sort of schemes, which I think was probably, I think it was quite ingenious, to be honest. Uh, and I thought it was quite positive, quite uh, forward thinking and quite sustainable, trying to hold people uh, as opposed to just chucking cash for the sake of it. Actually, it was more, it had some meaning to it, which I thought was really positive. Um, Kenneth, I've really enjoyed chatting and I could chat more and ask you lots of questions about your your military and, and all what you do and how you protect people uh, and the celebrities. Obviously, you wouldn't share who that would be, obviously, but um, I'd be fascinated to have a conversation about that. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to uh, consult you in terms of your services uh, and what's the best way of doing that? Right. So the best way would be our website, which is globalthreatsolutions.com. Easy to remember, globalthreatsolutions.com. And then also our, our main corporate number is 888-543-1329. They could, always, they could always contact us that way. Also, I would say probably the best way with me personally is social media, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Um, I'm on all of them and I, I answer questions and respond to people on a regular basis on all social media platforms you know so uh there's many ways to get in touch with this if people want to i'm sure they will kenneth and i thank you for today I really appreciate that excellent thanks for having me on julian i really appreciate it if you like this episode then please do subscribe do share with your friends and do check out other episodes in the series if you're looking for support and help in your organization create a resilient culture then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com thank you